Good morning and a happy Friday to you folks. It is an attitude of gratitude here today, just like we are what we eat, we are what we think. So if we have some positive thoughts, if we have some attitude of gratitude, we are going to strengthen our culture, inspire excellence, set expectations, and build trust in so many people in our lives. It's going to give us the best attitude of gratitude there is. Now let's get this Friday going. Friday, Friday, Friday. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Welcome to the Play Hard Work Hard Morning Show. Hey, folks, the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cook-off is where we are at today in Odessa, Texas, down in the Permian Basin. Sean Forbes is co-hosting today. Sterling got stuck on the road back in Dakota. He did. He got stuck in the road. He got stuck. Well, I left Colorado with five inches of snow in my car, so I'm happy to be here in Texas, let me tell you. Well, it's a lovely 64 oh, degrees here. I was about ready to a take slight my, cloud cover. Put my tank top perfect on day. here. Yeah, it's perfect day here. In just a second or two. So we've got a great show today. By the way, Sean Forbes, Teen Forbes with us, also OG Directory up and running now. We've got another guest going to join us in just a sec. I don't know if I can plug that in on the fly or not, so shoot. Uh, we might have to take a quick pause and come back and, and, and join for a second. That's what we're doing today. We're changing our oil while driving 90 miles down the interstate. That's how it goes in the wear card, play hard portion of the show. That's also just oil and gas in general. So um, let's take a break here quick and come back and uh, let's have some special guests because we're going to have cameos. We're going to have special guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff happening. We're at the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cook-off. Team Forbes is with us, Sean Forbes, also OG Directory, Frackleberry Hound underneath. My name is Jason Spies. We'll see you in a few. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services is an engineering, design, and manufacturer of oil and gas production equipment, refining, and petrochemical processing equipment. They manufacture the equipment with the highest standards, as per ASME Boiler and Pressure Vessel Code, Section 8, Division 1, and can be designed, fabricated, and tested in accordance with NACE standards. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. For more information, check out their website, absoluteenergyfield.com. That's absoluteenergyfield.com. Com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by American Directional Driller, especially designed for the American Directional Driller to measure bottom hole assembly equipment up to 40 feet. As of release, this product is unmatched in the marketplace. This heavy-duty 40-foot tape measure has three measurement scales on an extra wide blade. Pick up this 40-foot tape measure at Amazon.com or be sure to check out their website, AmericanDirectionalDriller.com. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back we to the went, Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. That's okay, Wes. You keep talking. We That's a little fine. Howard Stern on that one. We, yeah, well, we, you know, we were talking about whether we should be shirts or skins as Sean Forbes was taking her blazer off, going from sophisticated to sexy. Because you went from sexy to sophisticated this morning. She shows up this morning wearing just a, like, cowboy boots up to her knees, you know, and tank top and... It's like seven in the morning, and I'm like, "Oh wow, you know." And then she comes back wearing a blazer. I go, "Oh wow, you went from sexy to sophisticated in two point two. It's amazing what a jacket could do in a from a professional setting to just like, hey, you know what? Let's it's it's drink time, and then it's oh yeah, it's like day to night, daytime to nighttime, convertible. This is the work hard, play hard. Oh, I'm sorry, this is the play hard, work hard morning show. Jason Spies, Sean Forbes, Wes Johnson joining us, United Rentals. That's the type of witty banter we have going on here at the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cook-off here on Thursday, March 11th. So if you're listening to this beyond the date, we apologize. But if you're listening to it today, we appreciate it very much. And Wes Johnson with United Rentals. Now, United Rentals, in a different business that I was involved in, which I've since passed along is we would rent out bed lofts to college kids right really yeah and these metal bed lofts you know that did Mm -hmm. not burn and things because that was actually a selling point for a while was the wood ones (laughs) little fire hazard yeah oh all kinds you know how it goes anyway frc's is right we had to dine in uh, in an hour but not in 10 minutes we we (laughs) had to like in a pinch get to you soon (laughs) rent a forklift and united rentals came through and so we went down to pick it up, and I believe it was United Rentals, because I know there's a couple different you know yeah. rental places. And so I apologize if I got the wrong spot, but if it was good, it was us. If it was bad, it wasn't. Oh no, everything was fine. <laughs> but when I got there, there was like popcorn machines in there, and like pressure washers, and I even saw like an old-fashioned stainless steel, like champagne thing so i was like in a pawn shop or something like that so is that did you guys just do all kinds of crap yeah we no no i didn't make it open crap is not meant to be derogatory yeah because you guys would have walk-in stores also for people right and you would sell accessories uh and things there's a walk-in store we had to pick up the forklift for sure yeah Yeah. 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 so So. we did uh i I came in from my uh, acquisition so i was with blue line rental and then united purchased us and um and that's how we both know Mark Lester. Yes, yes. Mark Lester. <laughs> anyway, oh, side note. <laughs> you can go from uh, business to sophisticated. That guy takes off his blazer, and you know it's going to be an insane time right there. Right. So, but no, we uh, they they definitely made it to where it's uh, 
it's open for a customer to come in. We had obviously with COVID, we had to kind of stop a lot of that. But you know, you're you're waiting for your equipment or something, and it's a busy. I mean, it's the biggest company in the world as far as for construction mm-hmm. equipment or just equipment in general. Um, and I think they started in '98 is when they they first started up in the Northeast. And but yeah, they they wanted it to be inviting. They wanted people to come in. If you're waiting, they wanted you to have some options. You know, coffee, a little drink bar, juice bar, snack bar, and stuff like that. So while yeah. you buy your extension cords and your yeah. uh, you know ro- oh. rope and duct tape and shovels and flashlights. Are we burying somebody? What's <laughs> well, happening? Well, I mean, Sean? I wasn't going to say that. But. <laughs> That's when you need oh, to rent a backhoe. Oil field. You never know. <laughs> yeah, we rent backhoes. So. But no, and it, yeah. Wood chippers? Wood chippers? So United, I, I know United Rentals when I worked for Encana. I managed all that's of their what, surface okay. rental equipment um, for the entire country. So I that's how I was introduced to United Rentals and formed a lot of good relationships. But Wes is a completely different story about how him and I met. So I Oh, that's I, just how you guys met. We met yeah. through LinkedIn. Actually. Well, we met here. through LinkedIn because I, you know, I, I promote my teamforbes.com yeah. blog and I have these stickers that have my face on them. And Wes thought this is a really great idea for creative marketing, you, you and so he thought. basically is trying to steal my idea from oh, me. Oh, I thought so. you were trying to like. <laughs> no, I'm 100 percent trying to steal her idea. I give her 100. I thought you were credit. trying to steal her business. No, no I thought no, you were no, trying no. to get I the just job. Want to put my face on a sticker, but she I won't thought tell you me were her. trying to get the job no. of. I want to print those, and no. so I didn't. I was going to say no. United Rentals. Is I have a, a face business for radio. Now? I don't know why she thinks I'm a threat. I mean, like Sean's way better looking than me. Look at this. On some days. Yes. I'm not used to this, like, so, not vetting people out before I just jump on the air here. By the way, fun. this is all live. You like, so. you like unscripted, so here yeah. you go. I love unscripted, even when I look like a complete idiot. I did have this right. thought. If you ever went missing, we have so much paraphernalia to help find you. I know. You. There's like, stickers like, for days. They don't do milk cartons anymore, but we've got koozies. We've got stickers. We've got, got ink pens. There's a guy walking around the barbecue. He's got Sean's face on her calf. Yeah. It's on his calf. Well, he has very well, his, white calves. He, his I calves, know he can't miss it. Like, his yeah. calves are white, but they're spectacular. So what better no place? Hair. They're spectacular. He literally just, D has no hair on his legs. So There he is. I there see him walking out around D Only over D there. Only D can pull a, a button-down shirt for a podcast and then wear athletic shorts with it. He's wearing Aeropostale shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe I misunderstood that story that bad. Boy, I feel like <laughs> I just took a professional hit there. Holy yeah, no, this smokes. Is a, this is a teaching show. Well, we start teachable moment yeah. here all right so tell us what united rental does so i can get on the so i can get on my page that i didn't even know i was on no you're good so united rentals does we, we work in the heavy equipment and construction industry um but it's so much more multifaceted than that um we have multiple divisions or product lines so you have general uh, general rental which is forklifts man lifts everything like that um anything in construction and then we we have a fluids line. We have a, a power vertical line. Electrical. Um, electrical. Line, we have um, compressors, power. generators, so, yeah, so ground like, heaters. Yeah, Sean, you know more about this than I do. What are you <laughs> yeah, talking about? Let's go. Because you worked for in Canada, you had to rent it all. But yeah. Um, so they try to offer the the full product line of everything you could possibly need for a job uh, from beginning to end. Um, so what I do out here is I. I'm a, Out here in the Permian? Yeah. And so in the Permian, obviously, it's a different niche. Um, but I deal with oil and gas. I deal with drilling rigs, operators, wind farms, solar farms, general construction, industrial, all of it. So it's it's a pretty good portfolio out here of a, a blend of multi uh, multitude of different industries. Yeah. And you, so 
you have different customers, different needs. Um, and it's good that you can um, be flexible with your customer base too. You guys yep. don't put all of your eggs in one basket with, you know, we just rent equipment to the oil and gas industry. You guys rent to the civil and mm-hmm. the commercial and all different types of industries. So you can branch out a little bit when uh, things go, you know, up and down. Yep. <laughs> like if you needed to get a pallet jack, you could come in. Probably can't do popcorn now, right now, because of COVID. But you know, you can come in and rent, a, rent something like that, just off the street, just a normal person. Or if you need, yeah, my husband for your house. rents equipment um, as a you know construction contractor mm-hmm. from United Rentals all the time. Yep. So, so it's got a you know, it, it, they they it's the biggest rental company in the world. I think there's almost twenty thousand employees. So basically, we employ a small town, um, and what that does is it brings to the market a huge background of all types of equipment and, and solutions for whatever you can bring up. And if we don't have it, they'll probably find a way to get it for you. Yeah. You know, so it, cause they're yeah. so large. Well, you can pull from different branches mm-hmm. and things like that. Well, more importantly, let's talk about why you didn't start drinking until you're 21. <laughs> Tell Good us the story. Thanks Sean. So I grew up in a, uh, I was a little sheltered. I grew up in a Baptist home, uh, and, Honestly, my mom was an adult child of an alcoholic. I guess that just makes you an adult. I, I, I keep telling her that. But um, question, please. Yes. What type of Baptist? First. Southern. Oh, very much. Okay, thank you. Just needed to know. Hey, what but level. I drink and dance now, so you know. I'm Catholic, so I have to ask people no, Latin yeah. Mass or <laughs> exactly. regular Mass. Yeah. And okay. There's so many different interpretations yes. on, and it's all just interpretations on what you believe and what you read in the Bible. You know. Our cohort, uh, our co-host uh, Sterling, is Jewish. Orthodox, not Orthodox. So okay, yeah, it's, go on. But uh, so yeah, I grew up down in. Uh, so I was born in El Paso, Texas, in 1980. My dad was the manager of a Luby's cafeteria in downtown El Paso, and then we moved to McAllen, and then we moved to Harlingen. So I grew up in a border town all my life. But yeah, uh, we joke about like my wife's like, have you seen this movie? And it's an 80s movie, and if it was PG-13, I'm like, mm, no. And you haven't seen it? I still haven't seen ET. Oh, I just come watched on. Dirty Dancing like a month or two ago. Yeah. So, uh, You're tainted now. But no, it's fine. I mean, I, I started drinking at 21. I definitely caught up fast. So, you know, definitely just made up for lost yeah, time. Yeah, I discovered yep. Crown Royal yep. in college and it was a and Jack Daniels hasn't been bad to me too many times. So, yeah, I was going to say hanging out with Lester. Oh, you know, Mark Lester. You can't yes. not have a good time. What, 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 when did you start drinking, Sean? When did I start drinking? Yeah. Seven, um, eight, no. Okay, let's let's talk about something embarrassing. So the first time I ever got drunk was on a 40 of Old E. Of what? <laughs> old English. Oh. Like a 40-ouncer of Old English. Old school. Yeah, old school. Oh, that's right. You're from the West Coast, so that's... I mean, that came next. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mad Dog. 2020 And right then, <clears throat> you know, Strawberry Hill. And hey, then you know, the Zimas, like Zimas, oh, Zima. you know. That was my first alcoholic beverage as a 21-year-old. Was Zima? Zima. Zima. With yes. the, yeah, my buddy had And a, you still drink. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's, yeah. That was basically that was baby like steps. You know, yeah. you do the wine coolers and then you get... We used to smuggle... I did have this... This theory. So I bartended, I don't know, like five years at Cork and Pig out here. Um, but I had this theory at one point that if if your mixer is alcoholic and your base is alcoholic, it's just a way better time. So you do like so <laughs> you're Boone's, gonna hit it hard and hit it fast. Yeah. So yeah. Um, when I was in college, I would do the the Blue Boons Farm at the pool in the summers with rum or vodka, you know. And so Ouch. people would be like, "Oh, I remember when That's I was genius." Uh, and so people, one, people aren't gonna drink drink it because they're like, "Oh, pansy," like. 
Do you, really? you call it like, like other remember, side of the tracks? Yeah, and they're they're like, <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, and I'm like, try it, and they're like, oh, that's genius! It's, so, like, here's a shot of high end Patron with some Boone's Farm. Mm-hmm. Ew. <laughs> so, or you can that do, just sounds like a really bad hangover. What are you talking about? No. That's like a no, a great like a time, but a bad next day. Yeah. Vodka and a Trulies. <laughs> Twenty one year old. We were just talking vodka about that with Erin. She goes, I've gotten to the point where I just add vodka to my Truly because... They're both in there. You have you to. You still get the flavor. Right. But you... No, I faster. like it. I, I, have you ever had that Not Your Father's Root Beer or that, like, the? It's, there's a Dr. Pepper one that's kind of like a Not Your Father's Dr. Pepper type? So that with rum. We oh. live in a world Ooh, where people in really fine good. dining so restaurants are encrusting things in Cheetos. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So we we can take Boone's Farm and mix it with a high end booze and see how it goes. You know, I, I mean, I, what do you think a Harvey Wallbanger used to be? That's all it oh is. Yeah. Just just different levels. That's all. It's I, I, genius. I I'm like, I'm with it, man. No, it's great. And I, Wes I kinda, Johnson, I'm behind your ideas. I like Cocktailologist. It. Yes. Over here. I'm gonna make stickers if Sean ever gives me her little like <laughs> thing. My hookup. Yeah. I'm just gonna have no my chance. picture. No chance. It's messed up. It's just gonna hashtag West sells. But now. <laughs> It's I'm going to put them in the bathrooms around town. Hey, Jason. <laughs> For a terrible time, call Wes. <laughs> For a terrible time, For an call above West. average time. <laughs> you may be re- remember it, you may not. But that, it's funny in the past few years how it... it or she's look, always watching you. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, that's kind of creepy, Sean. I know. Like, that's what I'm no, saying. My friend Maria put my Team Forbes sticker on her water... I think I did it, actually. I put my sticker on her water bottle, and she put something on Instagram that had that song I always feel like somebody's watching me and it was of course my face just staring at her but it's like hey girl I'm watching you you better be working hard are your eyes moving in that photo as I'm moving I feel like they are if you look at a different angle did you angle. pay extra for that I don't hey I won't do that I just want my face <laughs> I won't do the extra eye thing where you know yeah. watching well, use some you. filters you might look alright so apologize for filters for this face. So rudely interrupting you as we oh, no, you're good. play hard here on the Crude Life Morning Show way. at the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners annual cookoff. Wes Johnson is the guest. Sean Forbes is the co-host today. My name is Jason Spees. Frackleberry Hound is sleeping underneath as Texas sun is making her lethargic <laughs> as uh, Chesapeake Bay Retrievers used to the cold, cold weather. But getting back to your life and are you for, so El Paso? Yeah. Okay, then what? McAllen till okay. I was in fourth grade, and then I moved to Harlingen. Okay, so professional career start there. <laughs> after you got done with college, what, what did you do after college? College graduated from Texas Tech. Oh, Red and, Raider. Yep, moved out here and uh, Mahomes. Bobby Mahomes. Knight years. Yeah, and Mahomes. Oh yeah, I didn't get Mahomes. Okay, Bobby, Bobby Knight. Knight. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I had Fun. Graham Graham Harrell. Okay. He was there. So I worked at Texas Roadhouse, so Graham and the linemen would come in. That was nice. fun trying to feed those boys. I bet. Oh, man. They can I eat be, some food. What, what a great time to be just, um, you know, part of the action, really, you know. It was fun. Yeah. But uh, so started out with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Oh. Which is oh, funny. They have a, a fabulous management trainee program. Oh, they you, give you the tools to succeed. Customer <laughs> service the hard way. What a scam. What a scam. You went straight stepbrothers. That is awesome. <laughs> Let's interview as a team. You great. <laughs> You must have had stories that, oh. oh, my word, everybody's got a crisis when they need a car. Holy crap, man. Especially out here because you I, don't have bodies. 
you don't have bodies. So I, it never even dawned on me the customer service frying pan like a rental car place. Oh yeah. I mean, I used to work in the hotel industry, so I thought I heard every story in the in the book about why somebody needed a shelter for a night. Oh, out here it was it was definitely interesting. Oh, so, here too. Oh, oh no, yeah, I started. And so, they got money to throw around. Oh yeah. Well, so Midland and Odessa were completely different. And what you don't realize is most people rent cars. They think it's to go out of town on the weekend, but it's more for insurance. That phone. Yeah, you buy that damage waiver insurance. No, like your car's in the shop, so you need a rental. Oh, gotcha. <coughs> so it's all the it's all with the insurance. insurance oh, here time is money though. But that airport, Midland Airport. Nine o'clock flight. Oh, that, that was the worst when we when you ran that because they'd run it tight. You need forty cars in the next ten minutes, and you don't have them. And so there was one night I I, I managed at Midland and I managed at Odessa, and I still had codes and keys to both stores, and we were gonna just get murdered the next day at the airport. I took all my guys. We stole every car from both branches. Broke in. Didn't break in because I had all the stuff, but took all Legitimately. their cars. Left, <laughs> left a note. Let, just said, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> they changed their keys and, a, and their alarm codes the next that next week. But I see the beautiful and charismatic Yari just showed up from is it Sand Revolutions. Yuri. Yuri. What did I say? Yari? Yari. Yeah. Yari is the name of uh, Mick Hager's dog. The oh, pipeline sniffing dog. Not to dog. be confused hey, with the beautiful Yuri Boy, Nunez. Talk about a... Faux pas there. <laughs> Yuri. Yuri. You know, going back to drinks, I yeah. think we should name one after your dog. <gasps> Frackleberry Hound? Yeah. yeah. It, so have you ever heard the Spit, the spit and Chicklets podcast? I so, have heard of it. So I have heard of it. It's never, never like, listened I, to I'm it. Not a, I'm not Great a name. hockey person. Great name. But so the guy that... So Pink Whitney Vodka, which is huge, is what Vegas pushes, but they came out with... Um, no, it's New Amsterdam, but they came out with Pink Whitney, which is like a uh, a pink lemonade vodka. I like the Deep Eddie myself. Uh, yeah. That's a fun distillery to go on a road trip to really? Austin. Yeah. Uh. You drive from here, you hit Fredericksburg. They have 67 wineries, a brewery, and then you've got Bur- uh, Garrison Brothers and High. Go hit all that up, and then you go hit Deep Eddie right outside, right outside of Austin for a when, good... When are we going? I'm ready. Stay at the Westin. You're like a block from 6th Street. You just walk over there. Wow, it's planned out and good, but anyway. But no, so Pink Whitney has the they had a this podcast and those guys were hilarious and they're all hockey guys and I was listening to them on the Super Bowl Sunday and they're like, oh, you know, but that one guy Mahomes, he lost his guy on the left. What are they? What's his? And they're from like the Northeast <laughs> and Canada and this Boston guy is trying to talk about football and knows nothing about it. He's like, he lost his big guy on the left. What you you know That's his protector? Awesome. You know. And so, so do they have a cocktail? Yeah, pink. So the the spit and chicklets is his. It's a uh, it's a New Amsterdam vodka. It's a pink lemonade vodka, and it's so good. Yum! You can drink it straight, straight. or you throw it in with some uh, Sprite water and uh, pink lemonade Mia. Interesting. It's a good summer drink. It sounds refreshing. It's very refreshing. I like the uh, lemonade. I like the the uh, what is it? The John Daly. The yeah. The what is it? The lemonade Arnold iced Palmer. tea, Arnold Palmer oh. with vodka. Well, the you went to John last Daly. Night, right? The John, John Daly, Daly would be That's Arnold Palmer. Yeah, like a shot of Arnold Palmer, <coughs> topped off by vodka. That would be a John <laughs> Daly. Yeah. You went to Gorkin Pig last night, right? Yeah. So they've got a drink called the Southern uh, Lemonade, and it's uh, Deep Eddy Sweet Tea Vodka and Lemonade. Oh, that's tasty. it. That's it right there. So tasty. That's what it's I'm talking great. about. It's like good for when you're doing patio. yard work. You know, yeah, you it's sit like on a good the patio. summertime. It's good. It's a good summer drink. Incidentally, when I was in college and in my early 20s, we had a drink called the Spice, and it was uh, 
a martini glass filled with tequila, and they put aspirin around the rim. God, that sounds hideous. That sounds... So what's our drink for the dog? Boy, so that's a good question. hound. Maybe we need some wild black, turkey. Blackberry, maybe there you go. Liqueur, she's blackberry a liqueur or brandy. Blackberry brandy. Bla- why, why blackberry brandy? Because it's freckleberry. Okay. So we need something berry. Okay. Why not huckleberry? Okay, huckleberry. Okay. Huckleberry liqueur. I was going the direction of say Mad Dog, wild turkey. See, he knew what I was talking about right away. So what flavor, Mad Dog? Oh boy, that's a good that's a good question there. And we might have to have a taste test one night. Maybe we'll do that at the Crude Life Awards Show. We're gonna have to do an experimental. Um, We're at a day taste test here for this barbecue out. and yeah. ribs. We ought to just do that for. That's that's your new thing that you should do is you you set it up to where everybody can submit what it should be and then you do the taste test and whoever's still alive I, after I, that. I think we need people to submit yeah. um, suggestions. Mix Let's do it. Cocktail mixes for Frackleberry, Frackleberry Hound. Hound. Studio at If you'd like to submit your cocktail suggestions for an impromptu drink name called Frackleberry Hound. Of course, that's a mascot here at the Crude Life with the Earth's champion Johnny Green and Frackleberry Hound. Studio at thecrudelife.com. Sean Forbes and I were texting each other yesterday. Uh, what was it? Perfect gibberish. Perfect gibberish. She, We were texting back and forth, and apparently my ways of linguistical <laughs> stylings, she he, texted he re- back. He always reverts that to some drink, a drink name or a band name. So she goes, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like perfect that. gibberish. I go, that sounds like a band name or a drink name. And she texts, what would be in the drink? It could be a wine. So we said donkey piss vodka. Oh. <laughs> It just all kinds of terrible bad oh, things. Oh, just some bad things. Like a yeah. Long Island, but it, it probably Rumble doesn't Mints. taste good. And then yeah. at the very end, at the, you put a shot of Marilyn Manson's absinthe right on the top. Ooh. Yep. Ew. So, Goldschlager. And I Jaeger, thought of that for the Jaeger. commodities. Ew. And uh, what was the other one I just Peppermint thought Peppermint schnapps. Yeah, something Ew. just the, the worst ones that taste like cough syrup and just yeah. put it all together. It's like the cement mixer drink that you'd give to your friend, friends who just started drinking. And they and they do the shot, and if they keep it in their mouth, it just curdles, and they mm-hmm. puke immediately. Mm. <laughs> Have you ever seen that show in Vegas called Absinthe no. at Caesars? No. It's a tent yeah. show. Hilarious. It's a, it's in a tent outside Caesars. It's a variety show. Very crude. I'll put it, you know. Yeah. But it's I, appropriate uh, for the Crude Life oh, yeah. uh, uh, podcast. I won a lap dance competition in that. What? And uh, I want a shot of an absent shot. And you, oh. you want a lap yeah, dance competition? Okay, we're going to stop your story right there <laughs> because this is apparently, in my mind, more interesting. What's a lap dance competition? They pull a couple. Excuse people. me. Why is the? Why am I asking? Why are the Southern you, Why should it, Why didn't I am, ask this question? <laughs> why are you asking? Why are you asking this? <laughs> Please educate me on how to be cool. <laughs> so the, the, there's this part in the show at Absinthe where they're like they bring a lady up, probably the the one lady that doesn't want to be up, up on stage. We got the Laura Bush lookalike. Oh, she no. was, she did not want to be in this show, and that's why the guy <laughs> put her up there because she was like this is she's probably a Southern Baptist. She was highly highly offended by everything that they said. And she they, was there, and they were going to exploit that. Yes, <laughs> like oh you're not liking this, you're on stage. So she's sitting on stage. The Laura Bush lookalike. Yes. For the lap dance Just con- not petition. happy to be there. Not happy to... to not very offended. Can't imagine why anybody 
not wanting to be up on stage would not be happy during a lap dance oh, competition. Oh, no, no. She was, she was not happy before that. Was she receiving the lap dance? Or was yes, she... Oh, sure. so... Oh, never mind. She was the recipient I of these contestants. Like, I they pulled her on stage because she wasn't really enjoying the show. I need to do a 180 here in my mind because <laughs> I thought she was going to have to do the lap dance. No. Okay. Because I, I figured they paid her for a look. No. And once and you pay a impersonator... No, she wouldn't even impersonate her. That's, just, paint my that's fence. just the personality I that I remember. Like she was just not having she was not involved, not engaged in the show. And it came to this certain part where they're like, All right, okay. you you hate this, you're coming up on stage. So the Laura Bush female impersonator was female. Yes. Okay, and then the lap dancers were female too. No. No, the Jason. They were men. Yes. Okay. Men. Let's go on. So, so they, what, our they, Wes here yeah. was a contestant. Yes. I know. I'm just making sure I'm yeah. getting the they, story straight here. They pulled up uh, different males on on. Did stage. you volunteer? I kind of got volunteered. Did uh, they just they say, just you, say yeah. you get up here, you get they up do here? They based, based on ethnicity. So they're like... Okay. Yeah, they're like, here's the white guy, here's the black guy, here's the Mexican guy. And then they just dog everybody's ethnicity in, in general. I mean, it's in jest. It's uh, a comedy show. So right? Yeah, so they're yeah. like, hey, black guy, we're going to play some this here. White guy, we're going to play some of this like Sugar Ray 90s crap for you. <laughs> you know. And the black guy got the good, like, yeah, he my got the, pony. Yeah, yeah. So the genuine. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was already feeling good at that point. So they next thing you know, I, I took my boots off. And they're like, this guy's got his boots off. What's, you know, and so... I just ran up and I had a I had pearl snaps, so you know you know how pearl snaps are easy to pop, and so did my thing, and then what is it? What, what thing did you do? You don't, no no you're not yada yada that. <laughs> Give us a visual. Uh, shirt it, came off. Interpretation. Okay. Oh, okay. My question twerked is this: a little yeah. twerked a little a lot. Uh, did, it was it, no did, rhythm, just chaos, utter chaos. Okay. Was um, there an the actual lap dance? Yeah. Or was it? I'm not. I'm standing a. Oh foot no! Away. I went full. I no. So you I, were on her. Yeah. Okay. I twerked very. Yeah. Well, either way, okay. Yeah, just you were on her lap. I don't know what twerk means. So okay. I. I you don't know what a twerk is. I kind of do. It's like you, you know, bend over and have your butt out and yeah. you shake your little booty but a little bit. I'll, lap dances are you kind of get. In their lap, but you can twerk on someone. Yeah, I know that. So that was part of his lap dance. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like strategy. Gut right? hanging. Everything. It was. It was glorious. So anyway, um, and here comes I the didn't other. Even have that visual yeah. tell now. Yeah. Thank you for that. Like, okay. Sorry. Luckily, well, I have this a started out, by the way, with a Laura Bush impersonator doing a no, lap dance. No, just to look alike. No, she looked like Laura. Right. Whatever it is. Yeah. And, and I've got Laura's a whole. Laura's got total. a very like straight face. She's very not emotional. She does not show emotion in her face. So. Kind of where this I was. lady was kind of rigid. This so is like when I was a kid and I rented yeah. a movie thinking yeah. I'd yes. see nudity and I saw a male butt instead. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he won, so he's got to do what he's well, got to do yeah. to get that win. So other guy came up and then he got he, he did he second he started dancing I was like I'm done this guy's got moves and then he got embarrassed and he just ran off stage oh really so oh, I no. basically won by default and <laughs> default <laughs> default but I'll take it <laughs> you know. It's kind of like getting a ref's call Sorry, at the end of the game. Gates. So because you won this uh, lap dance contest, you got a free shot? You got a free shirt and a shot, an uh, absence shot, and that is the worst shot I've ever had. Did oh, that's you, right. We did have a point to the story. Did it just make you Most crazy? No, I threw it up on the on the, on the the walkway going over to Vegas. Did Boulevard. they do the sugar cube? <laughs> yeah, it was just bad. They did the sugar cube it and was, everything? Yeah. Okay. I have that, like, if you could see my face on radio, you could 
So, did you see pixies, gnomes, no. leprechauns? It didn't. It wasn't. In, it, it wasn't the true absinthe like what you see in Johnny Depp uh, from Hell. Okay, not that or Moulin Rouge. Yeah, it's just it was a just, commercial brand of absinthe. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. still tasted terrible. Yeah, okay. Right. And that's what like the, the alcohol content <laughs> is like, like Everclear. Yeah, right. It's legal level Hi. Everclear. I think my best description of that was highly unpleasant. <laughs> so yeah, I just can't believe I've been having a different interview for half of this because I my, my mind it was like started elsewhere. It's because you had wine. You were going one way and then you had the wine and yeah, then it's, it's not even it's, noon yet, is it? Well, that's how I think we need another. Goes. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. let's take a break and we've got some people ready to go. We've got uh, uh, D's coming up. What else do oh. we got? I've got to go D's apologize to Yuri so now light. for calling her Yari. <laughs> then I got to go apologize to Yari for calling it Yuri. And they probably won't be too offended. Yuri. <laughs> Be what fun. did I say? Her name's Yuri. Yeah, I know. Called her Yuri. Bar regulars I know that. Pick. That's why I'm saying I gotta so go I apologize to, to Yuri for calling her Yari. And then I should apologize to Yari. Wait, is there for a Yuri? Yari? I don't know a no. Yari. Oh, so he knows a Yari. Okay. But it was... Oh look who's here, it's Yachty. Okay. <laughs> in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show Play Hard, Work Hard is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas, and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. Uh, and, and there's... It's already snowing here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't... 
I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Hector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that, that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half of the lodge went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on a on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? JP Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spee. Sean Forbes sitting next to me. Rocky Johnson. Just two chairs down for me, folks. Rocky Johnson. From? No, not not Dwayne Rock Johnson's dad. <laughs> not the former tag team champion. Fast and Furious star. The best action oh he's actually the number one actor three years in a row dun, 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 dun. that's it that's it no, does anybody Rocky know Balboa. that his dad oh no so you're doing i'm doing rocky, rocky balboa <laughs> i'm doing the rock dwayne johnson yeah rocky johnson of four warriors hydro excavating yes sir what line locating rocky joke do you get at you that is either the most common or the most annoying you know rocky and bullwinkle the whole oh, no, the whole deal oh no i swear you know uh, just last night i what was age uh, demographic are you in with that <laughs> that's right that's right but no uh the best one is always man you must be a hell of a fighter having a name like that i wish i had a name like that is what everybody always says so you know it's a uh, is that your real name or yes. is that a nickname nope that's real name rocky cole johnson I love good. it. Yeah. What, C-O-L-E, Cole. Yes, nice. sir. You sound like a country oh, yeah. singer. Might be that, too. Yeah. I can be anything you want, really. We can we can change it from one to another. Hey, Boy, give me a that? P.O. I'll do whatever you That's want. That's it. Every time. Every time. Cut the P.O. before we cut any work, and we're doing good. <laughs> Folks, I got to tell you, I'm intimidated right now by the silver tongue coming out of Rocky Johnson. He's got a better name, a better tongue, everything. Boy. 
Sir, what do you do for a living? Um, so, man, I wear a lot of different hats. Actually, sales. That's it. <laughs> sales, sales has got to be the number one. You know, um, it's um, it's been really good for me the last five or six years with this no company. Shit. <laughs> um, we uh, the the hydro excavation business was one that I was had no idea about when I got into. You know, no kind of just kind of stumbled into it. Um, a buddy of mine and his dad actually started this company, and and um, I guess they always knew I kind of had a silver tongue. I guess is how you want to put it, and a good worth. Uh, work ethic and um he said hey man what what do you think about coming to work for me it took him probably three or four years to kind of get me in the swing of it and i said you know hell i was doing a lot of different things and i said well maybe let's give it a shot and see what happens um just kind of stumbled into it he knows talent when he saw it that's right you did not come from oil and gas no not at all what's your background i'm from ag okay i'm the same way you know i I graduated with a bachelor's in science from texas a&m um thought i was going to be a big time rancher you know i I still live in east texas and got a lot of land and we produce hay and stuff like that but um you look like a rodeo guy and i rodeo too i was i was hoping you weren't going to see that but i rode bulls professionally for a long time um i thought the same exact thing to be honest that's right that's right i kind of thought a little bit of everything, and I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. You Are know, you an auctioneer, no, too? I can do that. Able to bid down front, folks. One, give me two. Will you give me two? You know, it's... Here, uh, right here. That's here, right, right here. Here, right here. But, you know, we've... um. I've been very fortunate. You know, this this company's been extremely great to me. Um, started the West Texas Division for them, and they, they kind of pitched me the reins and said, go for it. And then uh, it's turned from a four or five truck company into a 18, 20, and 23 truck company as of 19. Um, That's every, fantastic. Everybody knows how uh, 20 was, so we, we've yeah. scaled back a little bit. But we're working our way back back up there. Are, so you, for, guys, are you guys primary, primarily in the Permian? So we do Permian and the Eagleford as well. So originated in the Eagleford and are worked our way up this way we started in 17 out here and, and uh, have just been steadily growing so. so i'm gonna ask you a dumb question because i like to do this in oil and gas because there's a lot of newbies right, right? definitely and when it comes to the oil and gas industry what i don't think the average person knows is how diverse the supply chain is so you've got you know the upstream the midstream salmon stream trout stream <laughs> all right. kinds of different <laughs> streams right, right? <laughs> Field well, stream, like, you technically, know. <laughs> I'm in the communications industry. Right. I'm not in. I'm not in mining. Right. Like the oil and gas industry. I'm. I'm in the communications industry, according to the federal government. So, I like to ask people, who's your customer? So we're there's a lot of different avenues that a, that a hydro excavation company can go. You know, they can do rig washes, pit cleans, excavation. Um, our company in particular, we stick with with just strictly digging hydro excavation. You know, pipeline contractors, facility contractors, anything that's going to need uh, to expose an underground utility, um, dig a trench. That's that's going to be our deal. So I just never for, I'll never forget the interview I did with a guy that had like a you know. generator that sits next to a well site. Right. So I I thought that was a specific customer. Then as we're going with the interview, oh no, wet gas and dry gas are different. Okay, so you literally have 20 people in the country who you can market to. That's right. That's you know, it. I and, mean, and everybody seem, everybody's a little bit dumb to the entire industry, to be honest with you, because, like you said, you know, there's so many different sectors and so many different people that work different... Um, and different, they're all really uh, important. That's exactly right. <laughs> just just doesn't, you know, doesn't facilitate with me, you know, so um, if I was to go, you know, be on a derrick or be on a rig, I'd be absolutely freaking lost. I wouldn't know what the fuck the first fucking <laughs> thing to do, to be honest with you. And, um, but, you, you know... Did you just drop an F-bomb? Yeah, that's hell yeah. That's the second F-bomb in this Woo, program. Hell yeah. why, why, you said you said, be, you said be real, so, I mean, I, I could just like a sailor so i uh Hell yeah but you know um 
I think everybody has something to learn from somebody in this industry, no matter what, no matter what field you're in. There's always something to learn. Definitely, definitely. That might be one of the things that attracts me. I, there's many reasons. It's the entrepreneurial. I always tell people that. When they ask me what attracts me to the industry, I always tell them, listen, I'm a capitalist, but an ethical capitalist. I believe in tithing. I believe in giving back to your industry. I believe in respecting the people who have made you and your community what you are by giving back during the bad times, etc. 100%. And that's the thing that the oil and gas industry has always drawn me to, which is if, if you got a guy with an eighth grade education, because sometimes... They can get a job in the oil and gas industry because no one else will hire that person. That's right. Okay? So, number one, they give opportunity. Number two, they respect the merit of work, meaning that if some guy with an eighth grade education can figure out how to make that vibrating tube go twice as fast Mm -hmm. for twice as cheap because he understands physics on the way Henry Ford did because Henry (laughs) Ford did not have an eighth grade education, okay? That's right. The oil company will not say... Yeah, what do you got? And then steal the idea or reverse engineer it. No, the oil company, at least for my end, my We want experience, that guy. We want that guy. We'll be your we first customer. Yeah, yeah, we do for sure. I tell you what, why don't you go ahead, figure out a way to get some employees, be a leader in your community, because what the oil company understands, these guys are going to go to bat for you us bet. at the end of the day. Always. So that symbiotic relationship was always there. I can't. I can't. I feel like that's being lost a little bit, but I hope not. So that's why I'm bringing it up because I want that to come back. I, I want that that symbiotic relationship there. And it sounds like that's what you came from, and what attracted you to that. You know, definitely. You know, and and I'm not gonna lie to you. The money always did too. You know, I mean. Um, no, it makes you feel good to give. Yeah, of course, you know. And if and you got money, you can give. Right, right. And another big thing is testify. That's it, baby. Testify. <laughs> He's all in. You know, another thing too. Um, and these these guys these guys just like any other craft, you know, they grow and and and, and perfect their craft as years go by. You know, somebody that um, works their way up from the bottom to the top is always going to be a winner in my book, no matter what, no what what kind of education you have or who you come from or anything like that. Um, well, you're an opportunist there, Sean uh, Ford. Big Look time. at her grabbing her I can. Just, I just took his Coors Light and put a team picture on it. on it. Perfect. It's perfect. Wor- pretty warm out She's here. She's right a now. beverage welting in the sun. Oh, we don't let that thing get hot. We Come need on. To that's right. Give it some care from Team Forest. That's right. That's right. I think the good thing about what you guys do in, in hydro excavating is that it's not just oil and gas specific. You guys can cater to civil, commercial, construction companies, anyone that's. Like you said, line locating, looking for underground utilities. So you don't have to focus, put all your eggs in one basket. That's right. In oil and gas. You're outside oil and gas? Always. We try to. We've done some renewable energy stuff. Um, Really, to be honest, that's kind of what kept us afloat and kept us moving during 20 whenever the COVID hit um, and things got a little bit tight. Yeah. So, you know, I'm uh, blessed in a lot of different ways. You know, that one. not putting my eggs in one basket has been yeah, really, really have a big. Transferable service, definitely, most you know definitely. I, mean? um, I don't know. I really don't know what else we would do besides kind of solar. You know, there's a lot of different companies that do municipal stuff. Um, I'm sure we'd branch out to that if we had an opportunity, but I, I just haven't really pushed it. Anything, anything where you have to locate lines. Right. So one of the things that we do at the Crude Life is, you know, we do um, magazines and newspapers, and, and we also do radio. And we have a you know three and a half minute daily radio show for a bunch of radio stations across five states. So I always need like a minute and a half of audio. That's so right. it just fits perfectly. 
Can you explain what hydro excavating is for like an average person that's driving their kids to work? Of course. You know, kids at school. Because sorry. you wouldn't believe how many people they have no earthly idea what it is. So hydro excavation is undestructive digging with water and suction. Um, a lot of people know this one. So you've got a gas line outside your house. Let's say let's say Dallas, for instance, if this goes to our Dallas market. You know, North Dallas had a big explosion with Atmos gas. It was kind of a big deal. Um, Atmos is going in and laying a new line. And every so often, they're going to have to perpendicular or they're going to have to cross another utility, whether that be um, a fiber line, telecommunications, another gas line, a water line, anything like that. What we'll do is we'll come in and expose that utility with water and suction together without so mechanically pump, so digging. So you pump water. Right. So we use we use a high-pressured water system together. That's almost like a shot vac and a water hose if you were to put them together in a, in the, in a ditch and make something happen. It's like going to the dentist. That's exactly right. So you're right. being less intrusive by taking water and creating a, a ditch, a slurry, so to yes, speak, ma'am. to locate those lines instead of potentially... Uh, hitting create, a line with a, a hazard bucket, with like a bucket like fork or That's something right. like Any, that a shovel you know shovel's the main thing you know 811 has been extremely popular here in the last 10 or 15 years call before you dig um i can't tell you how many times that i've, I've hit a pvc line or a telephone line or something well, just for real? oh yeah just oh, yeah. Try, you, at anybody's house or digging for a fence or anything you know um and what we do with water and suction is very 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 minimally invasive it goes in you know and we're not going to damage anything with that water so it just uh it's it's a very very safe way to dig it's the best way to put it so okay i I had had a question ready did you have one ready nope okay now i totally lost my train of thought on this where did you grow up so i grew up in north dallas 635 in marsh i actually yeah and i live in east texas now what did you do after high school tell us your your journey after high school so, I played a lot of sports in high school. Played varsity baseball for a long time, and I and I rodeoed professionally. Um, when I turned eighteen, I got my pro card. And right after, um, how many bones did you break? Oh, probably too <laughs> many to count. To be honest, we have got a rod in my left leg, broke collarbone, broken arm, uh, both ankles got screws in them. I've kind of broke. I broke my back. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much more you want to go into depth about, you know, um, but. I was always How do you feel like are, do I'm you good. Feel strong? Yeah, I go to the gym every day. You know, just yeah. try to try to stay try to stay current. I guess would be the best yeah. way to put it. You so know, so you would say you're a man's man. Uh, you're definitely. Oh yeah, a man's sure. Man. I'll be a uh, man's man. I watched Tim the Tool Man Taylor. Hell yeah, I'll be a man's man. <laughs> do you um, hunt? Do you hunt? I do hunt a little bit. Not as much as uh, not as much as some people. I like to hunt, but I. I, uh, I like to go and watch more than I like. I like to see people's expressions, and I like to see how amped up people get about it more than do the actual hunting myself. So Yeah, I'm a big fish hunter. There you go. I like to hunt fish. Perfect. Hunt so. fish. And so you're, yeah. you're a catcher, not a fisher. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, so you have a lot of ag background. Definitely. And... Like like I mentioned that that's that's my background up till probably 2010. To be yeah. honest, awesome. I, I didn't really know anything outside of oil and gas than what the school taught me. Right. And so, how did your egg to oil transition go? I've been pretty upfront with mine uh, as far as doing some some uh, uh, method journalism. I actually went into the oil and gas industry to investigate against it, and I as soon as I went in and did the actual research and saw firsthand what was going on i did a total 180 not a stefan marbury quote do a 360 by the way i love that one oh no stefan marbury said reduplicate carl malone said 360 i say you're a believer 
<laughs> That's pretty good too. <laughs> Carl Malone, we, yeah, we got to come out and do a 360 what we did tonight. Okay. Okay. So you want to do the exact, exact same thing? <laughs> What was your what was your uh, I guess entrance into uh, oil and gas because um, you know coming from ag at least where I'm from we're seven hours from like the nearest rig so yeah. it wasn't even in my consciousness till 2010 ish you know my oil and gas journey started I guess in 2015 um, I'm a big firm believer in it's not about what you know it's who you know. And I got I got in contact. It's also with, about what you know. That's right. Well, a little bit. I don't know. I, I can bullshit. I can. In. Well, I can bullshit my way through well, a lot. But for me, way. as a buyer, I'm going to ask you a million questions, and if you don't know what it is, it the gets better that though. It gets selling, better. That's right. That's right. I, you're going to be in trouble. It gets better though. It gets better. So, I met this gentleman. Um, he's a good friend of mine. I met him in college, and um, I don't know if it was my work ethic or the way I talk to people or what, but he was like, "Man, I want you to come do purchasing for me." Um, so started out in purchasing for an oil field manufacturing company, and it kind of wheeled its way from there. And everybody, since I was a young man, everybody was like, "Oh, you need to do sales. You need to do sales. That's that's what you're good at. You need to." Do it. I was like, "Okay." So, you know, um, after the oil field crashed in '15, you know, they were like, "Man, we'd love to keep you, but we just can't afford you." Kind of deal. I, I left and went to. I did sales for a hydraulic company that did sales and manufacturing. Um, didn't last very long there. Just market wasn't right i wasn't doing very well i'm not sure if it was a combination of both or what but went back to ranching for a little bit and then blaine and mitch lewis contacted me about this deal with the four warriors and i molded over and thought about it and i was like you know what else do i have to lose let's try it and i'm i'm the same way you know you can bullshit it you can bullshit your way through a lot until it comes down to it that's right so you know the first six months to a year i was there i got in a truck and ran a hydrovac truck for the first little bit i was there you, could, you. i always you, say you need to get out in the field oh you and do yeah. these things that's to right. be able to speak to speak, right? That's exactly right, because that's the first thing somebody will bust you on is not knowing a damn thing about what you're talking about. And you see it all the time out here, really. That's it's, right. Whether that's good to say or bad to say is is up to whoever's talking to. It's the whole reason that's, I went out and lived in the uh, oil patch for, right. for a few weeks, months. You, you have to. I, before I, I wanted to know what it was like, in right. all honesty, to make a decision at 2 in the morning that involves... More money than you really millions are, of dollars and safety well, in people's or, lives, in or people's tens lives. of thousands or hundreds of thousands. More money than you're used to. That's right. And but well, you got a seatbelt wedged in your back at two in the morning <laughs> trying right. to sleep. You bet. That's the oil right. patch, baby. No doubt. And no you got to come up with a decision right there that affects jobs and lives and everything like that. And all you're trying to do is get in six hours, four hours, two hours of sleep. Most definitely. Most definitely. I found that out really quick, by the way. Very much. You know, and this this deal, this oil and gas business is 24 hours, seven days a week. If somebody tells you different, they're lying to you because this thing is nonstop no matter what. And uh, You better be available. That's it. That's every it. Every minute of the day. You know, and a lot of a lot of sales are lost if you don't answer the phone. You know, if you, Believe you me, I'm in purchasing and I'm like, if you don't answer your phone, I'm going to call the next guy. That's right. That's you right. Yesterday, we got in the conversation about you know the the after hour sales about how if you're a family man boy that can really impact you quite a bit have you run into that at all either yourself or with other people definitely so i'm newly oh, I'm married glad. i got i got married it. in october congratulations i appreciate it thank you so much um and it's tough so I, i'm out here i used to be out here 24 7 and, and now i'm home a week and back out here a week um and it's yeah, definitely. You know, my wife's like, all you freaking do is go out and drink and carry on with your friends. I was like, yeah, I wish it was just all about that. You know, it's it- sometimes you as a salesperson, I realize that you have to hang out with people that you don't want to hang out with. Most definitely. There are a yeah. lot of really awful people out there. They are. And you just have to smile and nod and agree well, with the stupid shit they say. And I don't want to say awful. You well, know? 
Some. They can be. <laughs> some but it's, part of, it's part it's of your part, job. That's right, right. You know? If you got some tremendous people, you got to have some awful people right. in the world of karma and balance. And I'm a Libra. Balance, balance it out. That's Lucky right. Lucky Libra. <laughs> I'm a Libra too. That's why we get Are along. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, we've talked about I that. Know. That's right. We're into reruns already. That's right. That's why y'all get along so good. This guy. So we need you here. Sean and I are already in the reruns. <laughs> we've grown bored of up. each other. Yeah. <laughs> grown bored. Grown bored. Did I make up a new word again? <laughs> bar did open at 10 o'clock here at the Permian Basin. Oh, come on. It was before then. I bet these boys started cracking off at 6.30 if I had to get no, special we bar. <laughs> it was not open at 6 Not the Black Market Bar. It was anywhere. Okay. Counting down. Okay, is it open yet? Is we it co- open We yet? cooked last weekend, and shoot, we, st- we cracked the first one at like 5.45, so I know it started here early, too. <laughs> well, I, I give the example of when um, you know I'm single, and, and I'm a single father, and there was a mother involved, you know, and, and there was some fighting for a while about money, like is pretty normal with most people and I chose to not do the after hours because I chose to be home with the family okay because it's my only son he's an only child and blah 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 whatever and and actually for five years I picked him up and dropped him off every day from school and I wear that like that's a badge great. of honor you should really that's, that's extremely I know a lot of married couples that haven't even been able to do that and Definitely. I do that as a single father kudos but to you cheers we were going through some financial fights I remember saying in the heat of the moment that, do you understand the sacrifices I'm going through as a family man to not go out, not go gallivanting past hours with so-and-so who's in town and all this other stuff? It's literally cost me six figures. Ah, well. And I threw that out there in the heat of the moment, and it might be exaggerated, it might not be, but... The point is there that there's a lot of business after hours. There, and that goes well beyond oil and gas, by the oh way. Oh, yeah, for sure. That goes oh, well, well beyond. It's not only business, but it's networking and this it's relationship building. Everything. And it's everything if I had to yeah. give it a name, it'd be more, way more networking than any, any kind of business. Don't get me wrong. Everybody's, everybody's experiences are different. Mine... After hours has just been after hours, whether it be, you know, a, a lasting relationship that you've established already or if it's something new that you're trying to, you know, you're trying to light the fire with. My my after hours has always been, hey, let's go have a drink or go have dinner, and then I'm going to go about my merry way, you know. Um, it's worked. Some In some cases, it's worked great. In some others, it was just a waste of fucking time, to be honest with you. A waste of time and money and my hard, hard, <laughs> to stay. hey, time is money now. Everybody knows that. But, hey, it's, uh, everybody's experiences work different. Everybody's. No, that's a good point, though, because really, honestly... It's valuable. No, I mean, it's time, but it's also valuable yeah. for well, it, like, your career and your family's financial stability. Definitely. Right? And but for me, I looked at it like... Success. I, I got angry for a while. But then I looked in the mirror one day and said, dude, you got to reinvent yourself. Yeah. you got to figure out a way to get in front of them, be relevant in front of them. Uh, that's exactly right. During, during, the, the, day, hours during the daytime, you bet. Because, hey, man, you can, you can sit and cry over sour milk all day long. That's loser talk. How many bad decisions are made after 10.30, though, after you've had <laughs> exactly. six, six or seven old fashions and shit's really hitting the fan, you know? I say midnight. Uh, I give myself midnight. a buffer. Well, a little bit of a buffer anyway. Depends on how, light of, how lightweight you are. Right. I've always said there's very few positive decisions I've made after As she's drinking white wine and flipped her glass over 10 minutes ago. Well, I've had maybe five, so. <laughs> And with that, okay, so... Where are we at here, by the way? Let's just change topics here real quickly. So I want to talk about what you guys are doing out in the field. You mentioned you're in the Permian. Yes, sir. You're in the Eagleford. Definitely. Does it matter in terms of a different shale play? And what I mean by that, now, is your 
Texas geography just because of the size of the company and just, you know, as far as you well, don't have satellite offices. I would say, you know, huh? if somebody... Distance, if somebody, geography. It's geography, logistics. Yeah. If someone in New Mexico wanted to hire them, oh, we're in New they Mexico would have too. to okay. move... You are in New Mexico. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. All right, so, I take that back. Maybe let's say someone in North Dakota wanted to hire them. But North Dakota is different be as competitive Texas, as someone wet, who's local wet to that. gas, dry gas, hey, Tuscaloosa. If, if, the juice, if, the juice, if the juice is worth the squeeze, I'll travel, I promise. Okay, Every time. so that's all it is? If the oh, juice, yeah. okay. if the is, juice worth is worth the, the squeeze. squeeze. So you would go to the Hashtag. DJ? You would go to the Bakken. Oh yeah. Okay. Nobody can see you in the in the podcast. So, so now we just we we went just just this year. You know we've uh we've done a couple jobs in Oklahoma. We've okay. been to Colorado. Um, just got an opportunity to bid some stuff in Wyoming. So I mean, hey, if the client. If the client takes care of me, I'm gonna take care of okay. them. You know, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in that. You know, you get in that what you, smooth. yeah, you get, you get out what you put in every time. Um, and I've been very fortunate enough to work with some really great people and some really great companies. Some of these out here for sure. Um, and I, I, I don't have a problem sticking, you know, life and limb out and risking your neck. You know, hey, you got to risk it to get the biscuit too. I guess. So. I want to hire you right now, and I don't even have any <laughs> hydro excavation work. So it's um, so if you're if you're a operator out there or an oil and gas company that would like to have Rocky Johnson come visit your shale company, he's willing. Every They're not time. bound by geography anymore. Definitely not. You know, it's the Warriors. Uh, they got four of them. That's right. That's right. And you know, I, w- I was definitely not one of them when we started. So, uh, father, son, owner, um, and their wives is how four warrior got established. Yeah. What is that? Because when we first met, I asked you if it was a Native American company, right. and you said no, it's not. But we get asked that a lot. Definitely. You know, the headdress kind of. Um, the Lord is an almighty warrior. It's a Christian-based company. Oh, it um, is? Yes, sir. And um, we're firm believers, you know, and, and um, really put all our faith in God, you know, and, and, and know that he provides us when, when it's needed and expects us to do his due diligence, you know. Um, we do that every chance we can and, and follow that out in our work ethic and how we treat people. And it's uh, it's come back to us tenfold. And we're, you know, like I said, and I'll say it every time, you know, we're blessed beyond belief. Um, and it's... <laughs> Hey, my my high school mascot good, good. was a warrior, so we're fighters. That's right. Big we're time. We're fighters. How do Big people time. get in touch with you? Um, you can hit me on my cell phone, 214-533-8579. Um, I've got a LinkedIn. I've got a Facebook. I've got a uh, Instagram, whatever What's you your want. What's your email address? It's going to be Rocky, R-O-C-K-Y, dot the number four, the numeral, um, warriors, W-A-R-R-I-O-R-S, at Outlook.com. And Rocky, Outlook. Rocky.4Warriors at Outlook.com. Outlook. Outlook. How about it. uh, the company itself? Um, you can get the office phone at 210-268-7102, and that's straight to our main office or our dispatch line, I think is what it's called. I'm not sure how that gets answered anymore, but somebody answers it, I think. Would you guys be on the World Wide Web? Oh, of course. Okay, what is the website address? It's going to be... Oh, I, I love it, four, man. You're going to have to look it up. I think I it's warriors.com. I'm not sure. Let me look. Don't this worry about the fantastic. website. Just email Just Rocky. Google it. That shit will come up. Everybody does. <laughs> Google that shit. Rocky it comes up. is so smooth. He doesn't even need a website, <laughs> baby. Or, or they can create a business uh, profile That's on right. ogdirectory.com. And you can find them there by typing in keywords like line locating, hydro, hydro excavation, excavation hydro, four warriors. We'll hit all warriors, of them. Things like that. You if bet. you're wondering why Sean Forbes and Rocky Johnson are sitting next to Jason Spees, because Jason Spees, smooth as sandpaper. These two, smooth as silk, baby. We're going to take a brief pause. And we come back. More interviews live here from the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners Annual Cookoff.
interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services is an engineering, design, and manufacturer of oil and gas production equipment, refining, and petrochemical processing equipment. They manufacture the equipment with the highest standards as per ASME Boiler and Pressure Vessel Code Section 8 Division 1 and can be designed, fabricated, and tested in accordance with NACE standards. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. For more information, check out their website, absoluteenergyfield.com. That's absoluteenergyfield.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by American Directional Driller, especially designed for the American Directional Driller to measure bottom hole assembly equipment up to 40 feet. As of release, this product is unmatched in the marketplace. This heavy-duty 40-foot tape measure has three measurement scales on an extra-wide blade. Pick up this 40-foot tape measure at Amazon.com or be sure to check out their website, AmericanDirectionalDriller.com. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Well, good day to you, my friends and listeners. Today we have a great opportunity to speak with Marlette Dumas, and she is down in Texas in the greater Houston area, I believe. Am I correct, Marlette? Yes, Houston, Texas. Very nice. Very nice. Well, thank you for joining with me today. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you. Bright and sunny down here. Oh, wonderful. I wish it was like that up in South Dakota where I'm at. <laughs> but you're you're down there working in the oil and gas industry. And uh, this seems to be something that you've been doing for quite some time. And I, I'm feeling very excited. Why don't we start at the beginning? Start with you. How, how did you get into the oil and gas sector? So at first, um, just... My parents always pushed us for math and science. We grew up in an area that was very mixed um, racially. So they just thought, you know, what's the best chance for our kids? And so they always just pushed math and science. So I can remember from very, very early on that that the education somehow was just incredibly important. And I belong to a group that now is similar to STEM, um, TSTM, but it's now called STEM. And so just even when I was in high school, that has always been the thing for us. And my mom had introduced me to a physics laboratory run by the government. And I started out as a physicist and I didn't want to be stuck in a room by myself all day. So eventually I I changed my major to mechanical engineering. And I thought that renewables was the way to go at the time. But that was like 25, 30 years ago and it hadn't quite caught on yet. So I thought, okay, I still want to be in energy 
And that's when I began to meet companies like BP and Shell. And I just naturally gravitated toward um, mechanical engineering on the projects side. So I've been doing it for quite some time. And there were not very many women and definitely not many people of color. But I, I just I started there and I just hung in there. And um, it's probably gotten somewhat better, of course, over the years. But that's how I got started um, as a project engineer, a facilities engineer, actually, with BP here in Houston, Texas. And I've been doing that ever since. So was it was it difficult getting taken seriously in such a male dominated industry? In yes. The- <laughs> <laughs> yes. So at first, I think they were doing it because they were really trying hard to diversify their workforce. And some people might have said things like, you know, they hired you because you're an African-American woman or whatever. But my father always told me, hey, it doesn't matter. Right back then, anyway, they said it doesn't matter how you get in. Just make sure you do a great job once you get there. And so that's how I started. Um, I started there when I think they hired us at the time, three black women. And it was good. Um, lots of bumps along the way, but um, also formed some networks with other people on, on just how to do well and get through each day and meet the challenges each day. So at the time I was doing some deep water projects, um, just uh, bringing them on and with design and um, just through the like a stage gate process to bring projects online. Wow. Has it, has it gotten better than since then? I like to think so, because now I see more people that look like me. Um, I am a petite woman, so that, too, played into it quite a bit. Um, it, of course, it was very much a male-dominated world, still is, but it's it's getting better. But uh, I think that back then, I was just trying to figure out how to, and now I don't encourage anyone to do this, of course, but back then, I was trying to figure out how to fit in. So I would wear pantsuits to work or um, things like that to try to make myself feel and look more like what they were looking like or more masculine kind of. Yes, I took on more of a masculine persona at times. Um, Sometimes I would speak up in meetings. Sometimes I wouldn't just depending on if they were going to maybe cut me off mid sentence or something. So I really had to just bring a mentality that, hey, just be present and try to put my ideas forward and put myself forward, even though it was not in the environment that that was welcome at the time. It wasn't not, not very welcome, but still have to somehow figure out how to dig deep and, and do it anyway. Right. I can only imagine how dif- difficult that might have been for you. Absolutely. Uh, in, especially with as much education as you've gotten, it appears that you, <laughs> you are very well educated. Yeah. So so my parents message really, really um, sank deep with me. I, I really just grabbed on to that. Um, I have both my bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering from um, in Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago, <laughs> where my heart is, and uh, University of Colorado in Denver for my master's. Wow, that is awesome. So what is your favorite part of being involved in the oil and gas industry? What's what's the favorite part of your education oh, that you get to yes. use every day? <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't say that I get to use a lot of the technical things every day. I think that that's part of it if someone chooses to go that route. Um, I went more into the project management and risk management side. But if you ask me what would I say is the best part of that, I think that when we're in engineering school and we're we're working with students who are also some of the best in the world or they've been brought up to to understand that they need to be the best in the world, it really teaches us how to think. So how to solve problems, how to process, how to make decisions, how to guide people that are, how to be an influencer, how to guide people who are making decisions into making the right decision or the best decision. So 
the technical things aside, it's more so how to lead and how to influence and how to direct. And that's something that, I mean, probably you can get that in a lot of different ways, but I felt like engineering school really does teach how to solve problems. Critical thinking and problem solving. Very much so. Yes, very much so. I love it. Actually, I can't even because I, I I would like to think that I'm fairly good at critical thinking and problem solving, but I I don't. Ooh, that that seems like a very tough job to me. <laughs> seems like there, <laughs> that there might be so much involved. How exactly do you analyze the different aspects? Gosh, so I think it's a multi step type approach for me. One is is very, very early on, I would say, learn who's who the players are, who, who, who are you solving the problem for? Where are the resources? Who can I go to for information if it's something that I'm not already really familiar with? So just know who the players are. And then how to gather information, pertinent information, like is this important? Is that important? Where to go to get that information? Who do I need to talk to? And then sorting through it all. I mean, sometimes you've got some information that may not be important at all. And then some some of it is is the the definite needle in the haystack kind of thing. How do you find that? So that I would say is part of it. And then how to present once I've made a decision or or I think I've I've found the answer or I'm looking at this software or whatever. um, How do you how do I present that to the people that are going to make the decision? So that, too, is important. Like what what will they be most receptive to? And if it's nothing that I don't think they're going to be receptive to, how do I couch it in a way that they will say, "Aha, uh-huh, yes, I understand how we how this might be a better direction." So for me, it's it's more of a, a process. It, it's uh, probably four or five steps, but that's how I do it. <laughs> wow, I was going to say that's that's really interesting. That's that's not even just crunching numbers as much as it's also incorporating. In, it sounds like human behavior and uh, and and other and other outside information. I couldn't help but thinking how nice it would be if uh, more more journalists would do that amount of research too. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they probably do, but yeah, that, that's true. Oh, some of them absolutely do. I can't. Yeah, I couldn't imagine what it would be like. I <laughs> to be, be them. Right. No, it did be a high pressure job. That's for sure. Although, mm-hmm. right. Has has the pressure grown in Texas since, uh, well, since mid January? And, and then, of course, that cold snap have have things been changing for you down there? So. So, yes and no. I, I think what really caught us was this storm. Right. But um, as far as folks working from home and things like that, yes, that's still ongoing. But But like I said, some of them are are starting to come back and some of them were working from home already on some type of limited basis anyway. But yes, I think the, the pressure is um, the industry is going through a, a change right now. Right. So we've got um, the people think that maybe oil and gas or, or uh, is not as attractive uh, as, as it has been in the past. So we're looking at other things now like renewables and, and things like that. So that's coming on board, even though it may seem slow right now. I think that it's going to be very, very important as we move forward. So a lot of the larger I've only I've only worked for I should have said this earlier. I've only worked for oper- large operators. Right. So they're starting to change some of their their ways of thinking on what might be a way to go in the future. So maybe not so much petrochemicals, maybe more uh, renewables or what they could get into um, like for example, electric cars is, is becoming a thing, right? So what can they do to try to take part in that new direction that our society is, that we're going as a society? So even things like, I don't want to bring up 
political things with things such as like global warming and things like that. So we're trying to figure out what what we want to look like as a leader still in the industry, even though things are starting to change. Yeah, well, and that makes sense because, like you said, there there are quite a lot of changes, and I'm sure that there's going to be quite a lot more throughout the rest of the year. I mean, we we only just made it out of February, right? Right. So I guess kind of a, a big question. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, a big question that a lot of people are wondering is where where are things going to be going from here? Do you think that this is going to constitute kind of a cut down on on oil and gas itself? Or do you think it's going to bring about more of an integration and a balance between renewable energy and the oil and gas industry? I know that uh, Texas yeah. kind of prides itself on that balance. Yes. So I've been in Texas now about 25 years and I've seen it go from where it was heavily oil and gas, where it really was the number one industry here. And we are world leader, um, not just leader in the U.S., but world leader as far as almost like a headquarter type situation. Now, Houston itself has taken on many other industries as kind of a, a headquarters. Right. So you've got health and care and things like that down here now. And then oil and gas, the industry itself, the energy energy, the energy industry itself has started to change. So I am going to say yes. It, the funny thing, what I think sometimes is just really ironic. I'll I used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company and <laughs> in an electric car? So I mean even us, I mean even in our in our circles, we can see that things are changing. So would you say it's gonna be somewhat of a blended type situation, I say very much so, yes. Even though the profits with the numbers that they're looking for right now may not be there, I think that society is going to push us or at least make us strongly consider how to make that type of energy more profitable or more attractive. Um, we Sure, we're going to have enough to last for many, many years, but the, I think now that they're trying more, okay, what else can we do? What can we do differently? and still stay <laughs> in the good graces of, of society. So I think that they're almost being forced to be more of a blended type um, industry. In the, industry, the energy industry, when I say, I'm not talking just oil and gas, I'm talking right. about energy in general, yes. Right. Do, I mean, do you do you see this being kind of a, a pause? I mean, is it actually helping, I guess, is the real question. Is it, Do you think that um, moving to a more blended industry will actually help the, the issues that are being brought up by the climate? I mean, or do you think that this is just kind of just where society seems to be shifting to? I think both. I think both. There are a lot of people who are paying attention to what they're doing. Like you may notice people are recycling more or whatever. So those people are learning what it means to care more for the environment. So they're almost wanting to see that. But at the same time, if, as a company, they have their their shareholders, their stakeholders, their their other affiliations or relationships, and they need to please those people, too. So that blend is going to come regardless. And I mean, it may not be 50-50 anytime soon, but, <laughs> but it is coming. Certainly, yeah. Well, I guess that actually kind of brings me to another thought. You know, in speaking with, for example, Governor Doug Burgum, he had mentioned a whole bunch about uh, uh, carbon sequestration um, and, and, and using coal. Actually, Governor Mark Gordon had mentioned that, too, in Wyoming. Do you think that Texas is going to take a focus on coal to begin with? Or do you think that it's going to be more of a focus specifically on like the solar and uh, and wind turbine energy for right now? Or, or, I mean, I guess back to that balance, there's options. So something clean for sure. I mean, something clean for sure, because they want to try to stay 
they want to try to be as um, respectful to the environment as possible. But yes, I, I don't really know much about coal, um, so I can't really speak on that. But I do know that companies, they at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they're go they're responsible for answering to not only our government and things like that, entities like that, but they also have their shareholders, their stakeholders, and people that they their their bottom line. And so they sometimes they really do have to follow. They have to follow in that direction, um, but but do it as as cleanly and neatly as possible. So. I see, I see, you mentioned solar, so I see things like solar and wind creeping up, but um, at the end of the day, they still have to stay afloat as, as a business, right? Right. So that's, that's kind of where I see it. Well, and I know that there's, I mean, obviously there's multiple options when it comes to, to energy and where we get our energy from. Um, I keep forgetting that nuclear is even a thing. And I even guess nuclear, that was we were a just, big... Yeah, we were just, I was just having, I was just chatting with a, a long chat actually with a, a colleague yesterday about that. And yes, I do see now the U.S. right now, okay, maybe not, not a, as much as a big player, but I do think it's coming. Hmm. I I have reservations about about nuclear energy. It's a lot of power, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which could is. be very, very good, but it could be yes. very, very bad, too. And it could be very bad. You know, exactly. Scary, but really cool. And I, mean, geo, I don't know if you've look, explored much into like geo uh, geothermal. Um, there, there's this other other sources. You're right. It's a big there's a it's a big playing field. So do the businesses that you work with, do they work in the uh, geothermal energy realm? So no, not right now. The work I'm doing, I'm doing volunteer work right now for the Society of Petroleum Engineers here in Houston. And um, so they too have even started to change their, um, their the way that they, they run their organization. So it's now professional professionals in energy. Um, so I would say, yes, there's a change all across the board. Absolutely. So, well, yeah, I mean, I guess we've, yeah, we've been talking uh, for a little bit about all the changes. We know we know more changes are going to be coming, but and it's so mm-hmm. hard to predict with well with so many variables. So the thing I also see is a lot of the folks that have been in the industry a while, some people might call them seasoned oil and gas folks. They that's all they've known. They've been in it for 20, 30 years. They they just happen to st- were able to stay in the industry. And I think they'll they're going to hope that things stay that they can stay in oil and gas until their retirement, which should be, you know, relatively soon. But some of the, the people that are new, like say those that have less than five, 10, 15 years experience, they've grown up in the industry knowing that there are other options for energy sources. And so I think they're going to be more comfortable, we'll use the word comfortable, with changes of uh, where we source our energy from. So I think for them, it will be okay, it, it will be fine. It's it's just kind of an interesting, I guess, uh, to watch the the shift, the mindset shift. But that actually that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's what I what I'm saying. The, the playing into the mind shift, yeah. or even even the mindset, right? Um, some of them are, are like some of the, the students that I work with now. They're okay. Their their minds are more flexible. They're more. Oh yes, I see how that's better for us. I see how it's better for the environment. We can still get close to our numbers, and they're more they're more agreeable to understanding that, yes, this is the direction we're going. But when I talk some to some of the folks that have been in the industry like me for, a, you know, fairly a while anyway, they don't want to see oil and gas go. They, they think that that's there. It's been, I don't want to say cash cow, but it's been bread and butter for so long that 
that's that's what they're there's well and you know i'm retiring in five years so hopefully i can write it out <laughs> you know right. so it's, it's that kind of thing well it's interesting too because i've actually been hearing quite a lot more about how um our oil and gas industry is actually much more clean and environmentally friendly than yes. the, the population would like to actually give credit for or that they or that they know about i guess too you know yes so lots of things have come into place from the government like can you remember things like Sometimes folks talk about, used to talk about flaring or maybe they still like for now, they still talk about fracking. So those things are the things that we hear and see on different media, right? Um, what they may not, what, what society may not be so aware of is the steps that we're taking to make things better. Um, so you don't see a lot of that anymore where they're where people, where oil and gas companies maybe maybe not respecting the environment as much as um, they had in the past. So now they're being more, um, a lot of our practices are now more um, stringent or uh, we're not allowed to do that or we're only for certain periods of time or something like that. And those those steps, those, even though those steps seem small, those, and some of them are big actually, they don't get um, they don't make time. They don't get airtime. So people don't get to see that we're making those changes. Right. Well, and that's something that I had noticed as well. Um, it, do you does is now is this a factor? Is this something that gets taken into account as you are assessing the different projects as well as how you know what what steps have been taken to be more environmentally friendly when it comes to the projects? Yes, yes, very much so. So, uh, as a risk manager, which I'm I'm no longer a risk manager, but back when I was, um, we would we have different. Oh, how do you want to say different components of the project that we assess and one of them and it always is so is safety and environment we always seek out what could be the risks and how do we weigh them like how do we mitigate them how do we assess them and then what do we do to, to actually just lower it or completely remove that risk entirely what can we do differently to remove that risk entirely so, yes, absolutely. And I'm talking about environmental risk. I'm talking about safety. So when I say environmental things that have to do with the environment or the air we breathe or whatever, uh, and is it is it a risk and how do we how do we mitigate it? How do we move it? And, and how, what do we do if it does happen? What, what What's our response? So, yes, absolutely. So. Right. Well, and then I, I guess I was kind of wondering, too, how much how much accountability is there for the companies when it comes to these projects to be environmentally friendly or to try and take those steps to be as environmentally friendly as possible? Or, or Well, there is. Yes, I agree with you. There is accountability, sometimes even at a government level, like maybe there's a fine that might be assessed. And then even like I mentioned earlier, for shareholders, stakeholders type people, um, they need to know that we're we're behaving in a certain way. And they they don't if we're not, then they'll move on to to invest in someone else. So absolutely, there's accountability in that regard. And then even at the at the project team level, um, they, we don't like to do finger pointing, of course, but we work as a team to try to do what's best. And, and we're held accountable even within our own small groups to try to do make, make the best decision. Nice. Yeah, see, <clears throat> it just it just kind of seems like these are the types of inf this is the type of information, I guess I should say, that doesn't generally get put out there because the oil and gas industry is is made to look so, so awful. And so I I, I hadn't even brought it up to talk about before, but I, I guess I had been wondering about the, the different levels of accountability and consideration when it came to that. Um, mm -hmm. So that's. That's, That's good. a spectrum, I would say. It's a spectrum. So there's always going to be some type of a governmental um, policy or we need to follow this 
rule. And so there's fines. And those, of course, we don't want to have to get stuck with fines. So there's always that all the way down to the smaller things, you know, like maybe there's a person who doesn't want to sit on a particular team because they've decided to take this direction. So that person may choose to work on a different project team. And like I said, it's all it all boils down to relationships. Do they want to be affiliated with a team and a, a set a set of people who have this type of thinking um, that we want to do do things right and respect the environment, even though we're in oil and gas? So, yes. Yeah, I've seen some people make decisions like I have a girlfriend. Um, she decided to go with a company that does that wind turbines. She's been oil and gas ever since day one, just like me. But um, she's made decided to, you know, she, she still wants to be in energy, but she's decided to to take a different route. Yeah, Zena, it's and, fascinating, and mostly because and mostly because of accountability. She doesn't want to be the person who's on the team that that's um, not respecting our environment and things like that. Well, that's not that's not a bad mindset to keep either, mm-hmm. especially when the consideration that you're taking is specifically for other people. I've I've heard uh, different different things about the wind turbine technology. Um, it'd be I don't know. So it's 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 kind of interesting seeing the differences between all of them. I I obviously am not a professional within the industry, and so I get to I'm lucky in the way that I get to hear firsthand a lot of information only because I have this awesome opportunity to speak with really cool people like you. Um, thank you. So <laughs> thank you. I very, very much appreciate it. Actually, uh, Talk Texas Oil had uh, recommended that we get into touch with you because of all of your extensive uh, background within the industry. So I was right, very right. excited about it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I like working with her. She's an awesome person. Yeah, I guess I'm still kind of new to doing this with the crude life, so I don't know too much about Talk Texas Oil or the the Petroleum uh, Association that you are involved in either. Oh, yes, Society of Petroleum Engineers, or well, that's its former name anyway. Um, Yeah, so that group, uh, even though it's called Society of Petroleum Engineers, at least up until just recently, um, it really is more... it's not just petroleum engineers. There's almost everyone from every area of uh, oil and gas. So we have G&G and um, gosh, we have facilities engineers, pipeline. We have a lot of different folks, but it's a good um, resource. We have, of course, classes and seminars and all those types of things. Um, so people can study other parts of the industry within our organization. Um, and then we do things like uh, hiring events, which we have one coming up at, uh, in early April. Um, so it's it's a, just an outstanding resource for people, everyone in the oil and gas. And, and now we like to say the energy industry because we've opened it up to renewables. So, yes, it's a really good resource. And um, the other organizations that I'm in, they, too, even though some of them are, are for women, like Women's Energy Network and things like that, they, too, are um, very inclusive as far as, I mean, yes, it began with a group of women <laughs> that were in the oil and gas industry. We were trying to figure out how do we manage our way through um, being very minority. Um, but that, too, is another excellent resource for women um, in oil and gas. Definitely. Sounds like it. What what kind of advice do you think you'd have for any ladies who might be listening and are considering getting into the oil and gas industry or into the energy industry in general, I guess? Okay. Uh, so first of all, I say just learn as much as you can while you can. That's There's a learning curve that is there and it's it's steep, right? They don't 
if you're not a petroleum engineer, they don't teach this in school, right? So it's pretty steep. Align yourself with the right people, a mentor or someone who's been in the industry a while that maybe there's just a person who you know that's in the industry. Definitely align yourself with them and, and build a great relationship. Learn how to build relationships. That's another key thing. Um, but I would say it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's competitive. It is competitive, but that's probably not the most important thing. I'd say the most important thing is to learn the industry, learn it inside and out, uh, learn, learn their job inside and out because almost every moment counts. It's almost like a pressure cooker. Um, when I go in, in the beginning of the day, there's already problems still left over from yesterday. So you're really working hard to cram as much into one day as possible and just learn how to do that. So time management, how to solve problems and, and learn what you learn the job really, really well. The industry is so complex. Um, you asked me earlier about why would I have even chosen oil and gas? I chose it because it, the risks, for, I, I'm upstream, right? I've done a little bit of everything, but I'd say upstream, especially the, the risk that, and when I say risk, I mean, being able to push like technology and things like that, um, deep water or length of a pipeline or something like that, where it's never been done before, align themselves with someone like that who knows who has a history or some experience with how challenging the industry can really be and how to solve those tough problems and that it's okay to learn how to take calculated risks, things like that. That's what's going to set the difference. Um, Just understand that that is the tone. That's always going to be the tone. Um, Just be be willing to work hard to be able to work in that type of an environment where it's just high pressure almost every day. Nice. Be be prepared to to work on your motivation and perseverance. In other words, yes, yes. And the other th- difference I'd say, and then other parts of the energy industry, some of um, some companies work in in let's just say hundreds of thousands of dollars or maybe a few million dollars. But if they're going to work with like an operator, someone that's a world leader or has largest project x project in the world they're going to be working on projects that are billions of dollars right so sometimes six seven eight ten billion dollars so understand that the it sometimes it's not even the size of the project that matters but just understand that we're talking real money here more money than some people ever see in their lifetime but these projects are some of them are really, really big dollar, and there's always safety involved. There's timing involved, schedules, cost, all those things. And if it's a, if they're losing a few thousand dollars in some parts of the industry, that's no big deal. But when you're talking about millions of dollars, that's a big deal. And we're responsible for that, right? The project team members that might have a piece of the project that they're responsible for, that's X millions of dollars. So be able to understand that, hey, the, the work that you're doing, it's very, very important. And it's affecting people's lives. When we flip that switch, we expect power to come out. When we go to the gas station, we expect fuel to come out. So just understand that we're doing a very important job, and it's our responsibility to learn our job really well and do the best that we can, even though we're we're in a, a world that's changing every day. Yeah, just just keep learning and and stay on top of stay on top of what they need to know for the for their role and and the project and the company in general. I love it. That's brilliant advice, probably for any industry, but I love it. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank Th- you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Marlette. I very much appreciate sure. it. Sure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And I, I hope so, I hope at some point I might be able to talk to you again. You never know. Of course. Absolutely. I'll be right here. <laughs> Wonderful. Absolutely. Well, um, is there anything else that you would like to add? 
Any any fun? Oh, well, happy. I know I'm a day late, but happy um, International Women's uh, History Day uh, to the women that are there and all the great work that they're doing. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, I, we're getting there. We are we are really getting there. I think so. I think good things are coming. I do. I truly believe that coming. good things are going to be yeah. around the corner and, and yeah. uh, it's going to look up. It's going to be great. Absolutely. So thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And uh, I look forward to in the future when we do get to speak again. Likewise. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, my friends, that was Marlette Dumas, and she is a brilliant mind in the oil and gas industry, has been for quite some time. And if you enjoyed listening to what she had to say, make sure that you go check out the rest of what thecrudelife.com has to offer. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that, that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. I'm Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk about Women's History Month. 
Every March since 1987, Congress and U.S. Presidents have designated this month as Women's History Month. This year, the Crude Life celebrates and honors their accomplishments and vital contributions in history with interviews and stories that center around women's experiences in industry. These women are not only modern-day leaders, but they are truly historic as well. Up next, we talk with Kate Hornbrook of Ace Completions. Today, we talk with Tiffany Steiner with Steffes and co-founder of the Bakken Barbecue. So the reason the Bakken Barbecue started back in 2013 was because MBI had multiple Relay for Life teams, raising money, kind of doing all that. Well, Jackie and I got together and we wanted to raise the most money on our Relay for Life team. So we're like, what can we do? How can we challenge? And that's really what brought the Bakken Barbecue together. So for the first two years, we we raised money for Relay for Life. And after that, we just felt that there was something else we could do, something different. So we've done Make-A-Wish for five, six years, Jackie. Uh, Yes. And then we started raising quite a few, you know, quite a bit of money. um, And we felt that Make-A-Wish is a great organization. So we felt that we could help them, but we could also help other local charities. So last year... Um, we had put aside some money for some charities in Dickinson. Um, and one of them was women empowering women. And I had never heard of it. I don't think many of our board had heard of it. And it's an organization that helps different groups in North Dakota. Well, when we donated, it was helping women that were in their 50s, 60s range that did not have the means to live month to month. They needed help with utilities or, you know, clothing, food, all that kind of stuff. So we felt that it's not just kids that need help. And I don't think people realize that. To listen to the full-length interview with Tiffany Steiner or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Please join us all month long as we celebrate Women's History Month here at The Crude Life. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest if you're interested in sustainable forests growing industry jobs check out the industrialforest.com that's the industrialforest.com the music heard on the crude life morning show play hard work hard is by the moody river band interested in becoming a sponsor email studio at thecrudelife.com